Good afternoon, Patriots. I'm Praying Medic, and this is my Q update for Monday, November 21st, 2022. Welcome to the broadcast. I'd like to start out this broadcast by looking at the observations some people have made that the person currently posting his Q doesn't seem to be the original Q. And while I respect people's gut feelings, I prefer to look at these things objectively. And there are aspects of written communication that we can analyze. And when they're looked at, we can use them to identify differences between individuals and their style of writing. Q has a few habits that make his or her uh, writing style unique. One of those styles is referred to as a signature. This post by Q from November 5th lets us know what these signatures are. My signatures all reference upcoming events about to drop. If this hasn't been caught on, Snow White, Godfather 3, Q. All right, so one thing I'd just like to uh, mention early on uh, in first week of November, Q was posting and did not use a trip code. So you see these posts that say anonymous. And some people wonder, like, well, how do you know that's from Q? Well, uh, <laughs> Q did not initially use a trip code, and Q did not initially sign any of the posts. Uh, these first early posts, there was no trip code, and a lot of them were not signed. So they're tracking the user ID number, and uh, this it's kind of an involved process. But it wasn't until later when we saw these posts with the trip code on them and the consistent signatures. So let's talk about signatures the signatures have a purpose and Q explains my signatures all reference upcoming events that are about to drop if this hasn't been caught on. Some people incorrectly think that Q openly predicts future events and that's not true. Q talks about and makes allusions to upcoming events but does it in a way that you don't know what event is being discussed or the timing of it until after it happens. That's the future proves past aspect of Q's operation. So these are what Q calls signatures. Snow White, Godfather 3, Iron Eagle, uh, Great Awakening. They're signature phrases and they appear near the bottom of a post and when a signature appears in a post it gives you an idea of what that post is talking about, the subject matter. So we have a couple of examples here. Like I said, Snow White, Godfather 3. Now, this is another example of a post with two signature phrases, Red October and Iron Eagle. You have so much more than you know, so much. Future proves past, news unlocks map. Equal sign, plus, 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 Red October, Iron Eagle, brackets, Q. All right, now, news unlocks map is a very interesting statement. Q created a map. The map is the posts. And future news unlocks the meaning of the posts. That's, that's how this works. We wait for future news, and then we go back over the posts and see, oh, wait a minute. I uh, <laughs> see this signature and see this post here. Um, this Q was talking about this current news event, you know, three months or six months ago. And like I said, uh, signatures like Red October, Iron Eagle, 
they all pertain to a particular post. So any post that contains a signature phrase, Iron Eagle, is related to other posts with that signature. They're all related and they speak to the same issue. Same with Red October. Um, those posts are related and they speak to a particular issue. However, I would say this, Red October, as we know right now, uh, has at least three different interpretations. And <laughs> I'm not going to go into the meanings of that signature right now. The, both of those uh, signatures, Red October and Iron Eagle, are going to be discussed in separate chapters in my soon-to-be-released third book on Q. So some signature phrases appear fully developed when we first see them. Other signatures evolve over time. This post from November of 2017 contains several phrases that were known at the time to be signatures. And it has two phrases that I would consider to be hints of future signatures that would develop later. And this is not a full post. This is um, just partial post here. What prevents a news organization from simply making up sources and stories? What previous Supreme Court ruling provided protection to reporters from having to reveal their confidential sources? How many people are unaware of the truth due to the stranglehold? How must people be made aware of an alternate reality? What are crumbs? Think Hollywood, D.C. Define lead-in. Think play. What has been occurring recently? The stage must be set. Crumbs are easy to swallow. What if Hugh Hefner was a clown in America? Clown in America is a reference to the CIA. What is a honeypot? Define blackmail. How could this be applied? Fantasyland. Who has all of the information? Q gives us the answer to that question. No such agency. NSA. The hunter becomes the hunted. Operations underway. Operators active. Disinformation is real. Disinformation is necessary. Silent war. Some gets out. Great Awakening. Iron Eagle. Godfather 3. Hunt for Red October. Q. All right, now, let's look at this post. These four phrases, the Great Awakening, Iron Eagle, Godfather 3, and Hunt for Red October are all signatures, and they were known to be signatures at the time. I don't think anyone understood Silent War to be a signature at that time, although it does appear at the bottom with the other four signatures. We don't see this uh, phrase used uh, until later. The hunter becomes the hunted. No one thought that was a signature until three years later, right? Hint of a future signature. So in 2019, like I said, two years later, the hunters become the hunted was modified and became the signature hunters become the hunted. And that signature phrase appeared at the bottom of a lot of posts in 2019. Likewise, uh, in 2017, Q used the phrase silent war. And we didn't see those words again until 2020 when that phrase morphed into the signature, the silent war continues. And this is just uh, a sample of some of the posts where we see the silent war continues as a signature phrase. You can see it at the bottom of a lot of posts. So Q's use of key phrases to tie together posts on a single subject is unique in all of literature, at least to my knowledge. In recent posts, Q appears to be establishing another evolving signature phrase, put an end to the endless.
The word endless was repeated several times in a post on November 8th and used in a phrase near the end of the message three days later on November 11th. In the second post, it appears to be a signature. Right? So in this post, November 8th, endless lies, endless wars, endless inflation, endless printing, endless oppression, subjugation, surveillance. Who will put an end to the endless? Now, I wouldn't consider this to be a signature, but in the next post on November 11th, we have this, and it's talking about who are the silent thieves? Why are they manipulating you? Why are they stealing your wealth? Bubble, crash, right? This is all talking about stealing financial wealth from us. And this post, endless printing, endless inflation, is also talking about stealing financial wealth. These two posts both had the phrase, put an end to the endless. But in the second post, it appears like a signature. So we don't know with certainty if put an end to the endless is a signature, uh, but if <laughs> two or three more posts show up in the next couple of weeks, talking about theft of our money by, by the elites, I think we'll know then that, that it's a signature. And coincidentally, or not, uh, President Trump reposted a meme containing the phrase put an end to the endless uh, last week. Here's the meme. Retruth by Donald Trump. So if that phrase evolves into a signature and if other signatures appear, ones that we haven't seen yet, I would consider that to be evidence, though not irrefutable proof, that we're reading messages from the same person who began posting in November of 2017. That's in addition to the fact that Q posts under a trip code, which uh, according to CodeMonkey, there's about a one in a billion chance of hacking that, that trip code, which is basically a password. All right, so on November 18th, uh, Q dropped the latest post, and I'm just gonna read it here. Uh, it's a list of subjects and some phrases. Runbeck, Dominion, SOS offices. Uh, SOS is typically, uh, means Secretary of State offices. Investigators, researchers, whistleblowers, Patriots in trusted positions. Trust yourself. You have seen the truth. Time to show the world. Focus. Focus. Ascension. Q. All right. So um, I took these phrases and I just clipped them out and created little posts here and just rearranged them into some categories. So in this section here, we see um, a list of election-related companies and elected offices on the left in the red box. They're named along with a list of people on the right who could potentially bring sunlight to their activities. So we have Runback, Dominion, and Secretary of State offices. Um, and we have on the right, investigators, researchers, whistleblowers, and patriots in trusted positions. Q is suggesting that the people on the right are working against people on the left. <laughs> or I'm not saying that politically, but in this diagram, investigators, researchers, whistleblowers, and patriots in trusted positions are going to bring integrity to the election system. And the people on the left uh, are trying to, at least from Q's perspective, they're trying to continue election theft. So let's look at these um, entities that Q and Runback is a Phoenix-based company prints and scan ballots. They have uh, operations around the country in a lot of different states. 
um, their Maricopa County operation came under scrutiny following the 2020 election. And this is a description of what uh, Runbeck does from a Gateway Pundit article. Uh, Maricopa County is the only jurisdiction in the country that picks up completed ballots at U.S. Postal Service Processing Distribution Center, but doesn't bring them back to the Election Department or Tabulation Center. Maricopa County picks up mail-in ballots and takes them directly to its print vendor, Runback Election Services, which is headquartered in Phoenix. Every completed mail-in ballot, whether mailed or dropped off at a polling place, goes to Runback. All mail-in ballots are collected on Election Day and the previous few days are sitting at Runback headquarters. Maricopa has no idea how many ballots are in their possession because the ballots are at their printer print vendor. Maricopa uh, allegedly uses Runback because they have high-speed scanners. Runback scans the ballots in batches to create a digital image of each envelope signature area. This batch of images is given to Maricopa Tabulation Center, the MECTEC, for poll worker review. MECTEC notifies Runback if any of the signatures don't match. Runback separates out those bad envelopes, then delivers both sets of these envelopes by van to the MECTEC, which is six miles away. Maricopa County Tabulation and Election Center then opens the envelopes and starts the tabulation process. This batch process is repeated until all mail-in ballot envelopes are scanned at Runback. This takes 10 to 12 days after the general election uh, and ballot envelopes are delivered each day by Runback vans. Runback uses the Blue Crest Vantage mail processing machines to scan these ballot envelopes. This machine can process 40 to 50,000 ballots an hour. Uh, they can also automatically scan the ballot signatures using embedded commercial grade uh, check caching signature software from Periscript. But Maricopa County continues to use its slow manual batch process of reviewing signatures. All right, so that's a basic description of Runbeck. Now, here's a little more on Runbeck and uh, their operation from the hearing that was uh, held in Maricopa County right after the 2020 election. Could, but um, I will tell you what you just said triggered another thought. The Wednesday before the Friday that we quit voting, so 10, 10 days before they quit tabulating, they thought they were done. And, I, and then more truckloads of ballots would come in, and I'm like, how can you not know how many ballots are still out there? Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'm sorry. Would you repeat that? Yeah. They thought they were done. They thought they were done multiple there was times. A, there yeah. was what? Multiple times. The people that were running the rooms thought they were done or almost done or were going to be done Wednesday morning, then Thursday morning, then Friday morning. Then it went on the whole next week. And I'm like, I, I, I asked the question, I'm like, you don't know how many ballots are still left to come in? I, so I don't know. I don't know who does, again, process project management, uh, on that, zero. On that point, ma'am, I'm, I'm tracking with you, but what day did the truck show up? Uh, thank you, oh. Mr. Chairman, because Every what day. I heard the first time, what I <laughs> thought I heard is a truckload of ballots showed <laughs> yeah. up. Okay, just a minute. I'm, I want to make sure that we capture this properly. So there were trucks that showed up on the 3rd, and then the 4th, and then the 5th, and how long did that go on? How well, many days? Well, I wasn't there the whole last week, but I know For as they long were still, as you can recall, yeah, uh, how many days? Uh, my last day was the 10th, and they were still coming in. Trucks. And coming from a company called Runback that does the high-speed scanning and printing of duplications and 
I think the military ballots. So now I'm, gonna, I'm getting out of my comfort level here talking about this. I don't know what they're doing, but those ballots were coming in from a high-speed scanning company called Runbeck that Apparently you haven't heard of Runbeck? <laughs> no, I've heard of Runbeck, okay. ma'am. What I'm trying to figure out is whether they, whether they printed them or they scanned them, and if they scanned them off-site, to what purpose? I, I can't tell you that. Because wasn't that your job to scan them? Uh, well, I, I mean, not your job, but... Yeah. yeah. No, um, no, all the high-speed scanning happens at Runbeck. So those ballots go to Runbeck. As far as I know, there were no observers there. <laughs> I don't know. I never got called to work at Runbeck. I, that's all I can tell you. Uh, okay. With all due respect, Mr. Mr. Cook, now we've opened up a whole new can uh, of worms. Um, yeah. And again, so I don't know this, enough about it to be the, uh, the witness. No, that's, so, that's yeah. fine. I just yeah. Your observation is useful here. So what you're telling me, I'm going to play this back to you a second. The scanning wasn't actually done on site at a Maricopa County structure. It was done someplace else. Where they have very high-speed scanners, yeah. And well, I, yeah. right now, I really don't care what the speed is. Yeah. I, I want to know, were they Dominion scanners? Or they no, were no, I don't, think they're, I don't think it has anything to do with Dominion. So I'm trying to understand what was the purpose of scanning them in advance of them being tabulated on the Dominion equipment. They were duplicate duplications, the ballots that wouldn't read through the tabulation machines. They were ballots that came in from military and overseas. But there were more ballots than that. So I don't know where the rest of them were coming from because they kept bringing trays of them in. So I don't know where they were coming from. Uh, that's a question for the county employees to explain to you where those ballots came but, from that whole next week. I don't know where they um, came from. Kristen Martin posted a link to a patent application for a scanning device that creates a modified copy of an original ballot. So here's her post on True Social. Roanbeck is able to edit and or omit markings on ballots. They've worked hard on this. Uh, yes, it is true. Here's the patent application. Uh, these are screen caps from the application, which was submitted by Kevin Runbeck, who is the CEO of Runbeck. Uh, U.S. patent application number uh, right here, filed with the patent office uh, on this date for ballot duplication system and methods thereof. The applicant listed on uh, for this patent is Runbeck Election Services. Right, so you got some information there. Uh, and here's the abstract. A computer-implemented system for on-screen ballot duplication is disclosed that may be deployed for generating a revised ballot that satisfies predetermined rules or thresholds for further processing. The machine is designed to revise election ballots. And here's how it does it. This page on the application has a number of claims about the patent. And I'm just going to read a couple of them. Number one, first claim. Uh, and this is a, a broad description of the patent. A computer-implemented method of ballot duplication comprising accessing by a computing device an original ballot image associated with an original ballot, mapping by the computing device, areas of interest of the original ballot image based on a ballot style associated with the original ballot, generating a duplicate ballot image from the original ballot image, the duplicate ballot image defining the same areas of interest of the original ballot image and the ballot style, and generating a second set of marks along areas of interest of the duplicate ballot image based on a first set of marks in the original ballot image. And here's a little more detail on that. In claim number three, the method of claim one further comprising applying optical character recognition 
to identify a mark outside the areas of interest of an original ballot image and removing the mark from the duplicate ballot image. One of the things that this machine is designed to do is remove images from an original ballot and create a second image without those marks. Right? So, although such a machine could remove erroneously made marks that cause unintended attribution of the voter's intent, that same machine could be programmed to change the voter's intent altogether. And in my mind, the risk of misuse of machines like this outweighs any potential benefit. Another company mentioned by Q is Dominion. Dominion Voting Systems makes election management software and hardware. Uh, the company became embroiled in controversy following the 2020 general election. Dominion has been named in a number of lawsuits claiming that their products are designed to facilitate election fraud. Dominion has sued Sidney Powell, Mike Lindell, and others who have criticized their products. Below is a screen cap of the landing page of the company's website. Uh, as they've come under increasing scrutiny, they've emphasized the idea that claims of election fraud are false. And here is the screen cap. Uh, the biggest message right there is election disinformation is dangerous and threatens democracy. So they're, they're definitely trying to tamp down the idea that there is such a thing as election fraud. They do not want anyone thinking that there's election fraud. Our elections are perfectly normal on the level. There's no problem, according to them. All right. In the images below, uh, like I said, I've isolated phrases from the, the post above. And we're just going to go through them one at a time. The admonition, trust yourself, you have seen the truth, counters a narrative by the mainstream media that there is nothing illegal happening in our elections. Time to show the world suggests that the truth about rigged elections is about to be definitively proven to the public. Q wrote, focus twice, once in normal sentence case and then again in uppercase. In a non-thought, perhaps Q is highlighting a computer program language called Focus. Focus is a fourth-generation programming language, uh, 4GL, uh, that and development environment that's used to build database queries uh, produced by information builders. It was originally developed for data handling and analysis on the IBM mainframe. Subsequent versions uh, were developed for many computers and other platforms were implemented. Focus was later extended to personal computers and in 1997 to the World Wide Web. I don't know that that is what Q is referring to, but, you know, Anons just put out their ideas. Um, Q could simply be reminding us to maintain focus on the elections and not be distracted by other items in the news. And I think that's, that's probably a, a really good uh, bit of advice. And for that reason, I've chosen to devote most of my time now going forward to researching events related to the 2022 election, just as I did in the, after the 2020 election. If you're following me, you're going to be getting a lot of information on uh, the election, particularly news coming out of Arizona. All right. So speaking of Arizona, for the sake of clarity, I'm going to briefly explain the post-election process for the state of Arizona. And this information comes from the Secretary of State's website. So following a general election, there's a hand count audit. Uh, a limited precinct hand count and early ballot hand count audit may be conducted after countywide primary, special general elections, and PPE. PPE is our presidential preference election. 
The purpose of the hand count audit is to compare the results of the original count to the hand count to assure that the tabulation equipment is working properly and accurately. Then there is a, a post-election logic and accuracy test where they just test the machines to make sure they're functioning correctly. Then there is a canvas and this may be a, a misnomer. When people think of a canvas, they think about going out and verifying you know, where people live and that they're actually registered voters. That's not actually what counties do in the canvas. So we'll just kind of describe this here real quickly. The governing body conducting an election, this is usually done at the county level, must meet and canvas the election results of each precinct or election district. The purpose of the canvas is to officially verify the election. The canvas includes vote totals for all races, including early ballots, regular ballots, provisional ballots, etc., and then write-ins. Right, so County Board of Supervisors in the state of Arizona, one of the responsibilities of uh, oversight election that comes to the County Board of Supervisors. Board of Supervisors must canvass the official election results in a public meeting by the required deadline, which varies by the type of election. We're currently dealing with a general election. Uh, and that is uh, the Board of Supervisors must canvass between six and 20 days after the election. So right now, uh, all the counties in Arizona are holding a Board of Supervisors meeting to do the canvas and either certify or not certify the election. What does the Secretary of State do? Uh, Arizona Secretary of State must canvass the results uh, for any elections that include federal, statewide, or legislative office, state appellate court, and Supreme Court justices. All right, so for a general election, the Arizona Secretary of State must canvass the results on the fourth Monday following the election. The election was on the 8th. The uh, meeting is going to be on December 5th for the Secretary of State to do their canvas. Secretary of State must conduct uh, the general election canvas at a public meeting and in the presence of the governor and attorney general. If any statewide ballot measures appeared on the ballot, the Chief Justice of the Arizona Supreme Court will also attend. All right, so that's how that goes. Now, in this article from one of the new local news stations said that as of Wednesday, this is last Wednesday, there were about 25,000 uncounted ballots statewide. All 15 counties must get the results approved by the Board of Supervisors and sent over to the Secretary of State's office by November 28th. And then here's a quote from uh, the Arizona Assistant Secretary of State, Allie Bones. Our office then has until December 5th to compile that into a statewide canvas, at which time the Secretary of State, along with the Governor, Attorney General, and the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, will certify those canvas results. Notice that she mentioned the Attorney General as one of the people who will be there for the certification <laughs> or canvas. Uh, by the way, the races for attorney general and state superintendent of public instruction, um, the margin of victory there is close enough to trigger an automatic recount. And there'll probably be some other recounts as well. All right, so the attorney general plays a role in the certification process. All right. So the elections integrity unit of the Arizona attorney general's office has demanded a response from Maricopa County pertaining to issues related to the administration of the 2022 general election in Maricopa County. This letter is to the county attorney and 
It contains a detailed list of complaints received from citizens and election workers. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph. Uh, again, this is to uh, Attorney Thomas Liddy, Civil Division Chief, Maricopa County Attorney's Office. Uh, dear Mr. Liddy, the Elections Integrity Unit of the Arizona Attorney General's Office has received hundreds of complaints since Election Day pertaining to issues related to the administration of the 2022 general election in Maricopa County. These complaints go beyond pure speculation, but include first-hand witness accounts that raise concerns regarding the Maricopa County's lawful compliance with Arizona election law. Furthermore, statements made by both Chairman Gates and Recorder Richer, along with information Maricopa County released through official modes of communication, appear to confirm potential statutory violations of Title 16. That is the Arizona election law. According to the AGO's authority under ARS 161021, the unit hereby requests Maricopa formally respond to and address the following concerns that have been raised. And there's a long list of uh, complaints, a lot of detailed information. This letter is, I think, four or five pages. I'm not going to go over all of them and include it all. But I want you to note that this letter is signed by Jennifer Wright, who is the Assistant Attorney General under Mark Brnovich. Some people are of the opinion that nothing is going to happen as a result of this letter. And their skepticism is understandable, given the fact that the Attorney General's office did nothing about the 2020 election. So I get it. If people are skeptical and they say nothing's going to happen, I understand. Um, that's fine. But, you know, let's look at both sides of this subject here. Kat the Great pointed out that the woman who wrote the letter, Assistant Attorney General Jennifer Wright, used to work for uh, an outfit called Verify the Vote, and that organization worked closely with True the Vote on election integrity issues. So here's an article from 2019 uh, about when uh, Ms. Wright was hired by the Attorney General's office. This is from August 20, uh, 22nd, 2019. A Tea Party-linked voter fraud activist known for her vigilante approach to poll monitoring is heading to the Arizona Attorney General's office Jennifer Wright, a former GOP mayoral candidate who once worked for the voter fraud alarmist group Verify the Vote, was hired as an assistant attorney general who will be focused on election integrity and goes on to give information about her and the hiring. Interesting down here, Verify the Vote worked with True the Vote to try to recruit and train 5,000 volunteers to be poll monitors across Arizona for the 2012 election. So the assistant attorney general has a history of being a voting integrity activist. Now, Javon Hutton Pulitzer warned that uh, Ms. Wright has no interest in getting to the bottom of election fraud. He believes the letter from the attorney general's office is designed to pacify us, so we'll discontinue our efforts to fix the broken election system. And he posted this on his Telegram channel. Warning, we must be very wary of AZ Attorney General doing an investigation in AZ. This tactic will make many stand down, and I can tell you firsthand from my time with them, and specifically Jennifer Wright, who wrote the letter to the Board of Supervisors, she is not in for fixing this. They want the public to stand down, then install a new Democrat Attorney General, only to dismiss the investigation later. This is a game. No one should stand down on any efforts at all. We need to spread the word on this. All right, I agree. 
that no one should stand down on their efforts. However, the tone of Wright's letter does not suggest that she's taking this matter lightly. She states in pretty clear terms that it appears as if election laws were broken. Her statement puts her on the record publicly as having been informed of criminal behavior. And once you've been informed as a law enforcement officer of criminal behavior, you have an obligation to investigate. If she intends to do nothing, it would be illogical for her to bring the issue to light at all. Because doing that creates a public expectation that people have to be held accountable. So I'm wondering if it's possible that Jennifer Wright acted as a sleeper inside the Attorney General's office. Did she maybe go along with the status quo until Brnovich was on his way out? Brnovich, by the way, did not run for re-election. He ran for the U.S. Senate and was beaten by Blake Masters in the primary. So he is on his way out. He's going to be replaced either by Abe Hamaday or by um, a Democrat. So I don't know why Brnovich would, would have a whole lot of stake in this. This seems to be uh, the actions of Jennifer Wright alone. What if she went rogue? Did she take a calculated risk and launch an investigation without Brnovich's permission? Was she betting that after the letter was sent to Maricopa County, it would look like a political hit job if she was retaliated against? I don't know if the Attorney General has a participating role in the certification on December 5th or if they're just going to act as a witness to the certification. But their notification to the county creates, at minimum, a problem of optics. Whether the Attorney General is asked to witness or to recommend certification, how can they do that after having notified Maricopa County? They have an, an open investigation into allegations that election laws were violated. This doesn't make any sense to me. If Jennifer Wright had no plans to do a serious investigation, she should have waited until after the election was certified to notify Maricopa County, because then her actions wouldn't stand in the way of certification. So it looks to me like she's trying to sabotage the certification process. That's just how I see it. I could be wrong, but I'm cautiously optimistic. And notwithstanding, I think all avenues of recourse to correct the election should be explored and we need to amplify our efforts to hold elected leaders accountable. Staying with the theme of election certification, uh, there's a development in Cochise County, Arizona. The county's Board of Supervisors initially wanted to do a 100% hand recount of votes cast on Election Day. They filed a lawsuit against the county's election director to force her to order the recount. But after they were informed that the lawsuit would interfere with the mandatory recount in the Attorney General's race, the Board of Supervisors withdrew their lawsuit. So here's the news article from that. Then, a day or two later, uh, after they dropped their lawsuit, the Board um, voted to delay certification of the election until November 28th. That's the last day that they can submit their official results to the state. And they're doing so because the lab responsible for certifying the equipment, SLI, has a lapsed certificate of accreditation. This is a news article talking about the decision to delay certification. Election Services Director Corey Lorick said in the meeting on Friday that the voting machines have been tested and certified for accuracy. The equipment used in Cochise County is properly certified. 
under both federal and state laws and requirements, said Lorick. The claims at SLI testing labs were not properly accredited are false. Okay, that's one statement. Then read the next paragraph. She added that the claims of voting machine inaccuracy and fraud made by Daniel Wood, Brian Steiner, and Paul Rice were repetitive as uh, they were also the same arguments the trio brought to the Arizona Supreme Court. Lorick said that the court rejected their arguments. She said that an administrative error is what resulted in the SLI lab not receiving an updated certificate of accreditation. So <laughs> on the one hand, she's saying, well, everything's accredited and everything's fine. And then later she admits, well, yes, their certificate did lapse. That's the basis for uh, delaying the certification in Cochise County. Now, uh, Laura Logan reported on Twitter that Yavapai and Gila counties have also delayed their certification. I haven't been able to find a news story to corroborate that report. And there's a YouTube video that recorded the certification in Gila County for the 2022 election. I'll let you listen to this. Yeah, people need to feel confident in the election process, and I think they can in Gila County. With that, I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Chair, I move to declare the results of the general election held on November 8, 2022, in Gila County as official. And I will second that. Okay, with a uh, motion and a second to approve, uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 Motion passes unanimously. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. This afternoon, the Mojave County Board of Supervisors voted to delay certification of the election. This was reported by uh, Garrett Archer, the uh, ABC 15 data guru. Mojave County voted to delay certification of the election results until November 28th. Board of Supervisors members say it's a political statement in solidarity with other counties that have delayed certification. So we now have delays by two counties in Arizona, Cochise and Mojave. They're both going to delay until November 28th. That could cause problems for the state since they can't certify the election without official results from all counties. And that brings us to the last line in the latest Q post, Ascension. What did Q mean by Ascension? Some people have taken it to be a reference to the idea that when mankind collectively raises its vibration, humanity will, in a spiritual sense, ascend to a state of higher consciousness or enlightenment. That's one interpretation, but it seems out of place in a discussion about election fraud. The statement, time to show the world, suggests that Patriots in trusted positions have the evidence needed to prove that election fraud is real. I suspect that the word ascension is a hint as to how that evidence was obtained. Ascension Island is located in the Atlantic Ocean, south of the equator, midway between South America and Africa. And here is the Wikipedia entry for Ascension Island. RAF Ascension Island, also known as Wide Awake Airfield or Ascension Island Auxiliary Field, is a military airfield and facility located on Ascension Island in the Atlantic Ocean. The airfield is jointly operated by the Royal Air Force and United States Space Force. Under the terms of an international agreement between the UK and US governments, only state aircraft are authorized to land on Ascension. However, it is also open to air services between St. Helena and Ascension. The facility is home to a US Space Force ground tracking station in support of the Eastern Range and rocket launches from Cape Canaveral Space Force Station in Florida. All right, so it is supports the Eastern Range. What is the Eastern Range? 
Uh, here is the Wikipedia description of the Eastern Range. Eastern Range is an American rocket range spaceport that supports missile and rocket launches from the two major launch heads located at Cape Canaveral Space Force Station and the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The range can support launches between 37 degrees and 114 degrees azimuth. The headquarters of the range is now the 45th Space Wing at Patrick Space Force Base. So what is the 45th Space Wing at Patrick Space Force Base? Here's a Wikipedia description for that. Space Launch Delta 45 is a unit of the United States Space Force. The Space Launch Delta 45 is assigned to Space Systems Command and headquartered at Patrick Space Force Base, Florida. The wing also controls Cape Canaveral Space Force Station. The 45th Space Delta is responsible for all space launch operations from the East Coast. It manages the Eastern Range, including launch activities for Space Force Department of Defense, NASA, and other private space corporations. Okay, that is what Wikipedia says, but there's more. In a non-linked to a Huffington Post article about Ascension Island has a different spin. So we have this post from the Anon, Spy Island Ascension, and then here's the link. I'm just going to read the first two paragraphs of the article. And this article was written November 11th, 2013. Just how does the U.S. conduct its high-tech espionage as a result of the Edward Snowden whistleblowing scandal? The public is developing a keener understanding of the super-secret National Security Agency, or NSA, or as Q refers to it as no such agency, an entity with truly global reach. Indeed, according to recent reporting, the NSA has its hands in the far-flung South Atlantic and takes advantage of a covert island base to spy on Brazil, an up-and-coming player in the wider region. Details about the secret base, which is located on the remote island of Ascension, are contained in a recent report published by the Brazilian magazine Istoe. The magazine, which claims to have seen documents released by Snowden, reports that the Ascension base carries out a spying program called Echelon. Though the Americans employ Echelon, other Anglo powers such as Britain share such intelligence. According to the magazine, the Ascension base is highly sophisticated and can intercept up to 2 million communications per hour including telephone conversations, email, and social media. After the NSA gets its hands on sensitive information, the agency sends the intelligence from Ascension to another central facility located in Fort Meade, Maryland. That's the main NSA headquarters. All right, so now we're talking about the NSA. And if you're not aware of the NSA connection in queue, this post from November 12th, 2017, sheds light on a lot of the subjects we've just discussed, including the NSA. Patriots don't sleep, 40,000 foot view necessary to understand US in brackets, SA, Saudi Arabia, global events, paint the picture. All right, so when Q says 40,000 foot view, Q is talking about giving us hints at information that is classified. 30,000 foot view is anything open to uh, in the public domain 40,000 foot view, Q says, is classified. And Q doesn't give us classified information. He gives us hints at information that is classified. And if we put those hints together, Q says, it paints the picture. Decrease altitude, we will not fly that high again. Higher the altitude, the greater the risk of conspiracy, ST. Many cannot and will not swallow. What is no such agency, Q group? 
this was a first hint at who the members of Q are. NSA Q Group is the directorate in the NSA that's responsible for law enforcement. So they're law enforcement contractors and agents who are responsible for investigating crimes that are under the NSA's jurisdiction. And Q has suggested that that the name Q actually comes from the NSA Q group. I think, my personal belief, that there's at least one member of the NSA Q group in the Q operation. All right, moving on. Who has clearance to the full picture? Important. SIS signals intelligence is good. Plus, plus, plus. Admiral Rogers, plus, plus, plus. He was director of the NSA at the time. Q is letting us know Admiral Rogers is a good guy. What agency is at war with clowns in America? CIA. Q has hinted in many posts that the NSA and the CIA are in a battle for information supremacy within the American uh, intelligence community. How does POTUS, Trump, shift the narrative? New Age of Enlightenment. Q is not talking about New Age uh, Enlightenment here. Q is talking about an age of information that is new, a new era of information and awareness about the realities of corruption. And, and this, this phrase is often misunderstood, but that's, that's what it means, at least from my perspective. So Q has said 80% of the secret information is going to remain secret. 20% of it is going to be made public. In a later post, Q said that 60% would remain classified and 40% will be made public. What has occurred over the last several months? Classified info leaks, operations, think Saudi Arabia, CNN sale. What companies receive the largest cash injections by clowns in America? Public. Why? Who does it hurt? Who controls the mainstream media? Primary objective from the beginning of POTUS was to discredit the mainstream media. Why is this relevant? How is information transmitted? How are people informed? Why was Sarah Carter attacked, hack attempt? Uh, her computer was hacked. Why was Operation Mockingbird repeated? This is the CIA control of the mainstream media. Why was Jason Bourne, CIA dream repeated? That's a reference to the Jason Bourne film where a Facebook-like entity is uh, compared to the real way that Facebook works. Think social media platforms. Who are the wizards and warlocks? What council do the wizards and warlocks control? Think Snowden, inside term dropped. Alice in Wonderland, that signature has been understood. Snow White, another signature, understood. These are both decoded. Iron Eagle was not decoded at the time. Godfather 3 was not decoded. Speed, another signature, not decoded. Everything is meaning. Disney is a distraction. Senate and Congress equals puppets, not all, power shift. For God and country, for humanity, Geronimo Q. I believe Geronimo is another signature that has not yet been decoded. All right, so a lot of information here. Again, we come back to the signatures, and Q's talking about, okay, well, we figured out some of these signatures. Have we figured out the rest of them? And I discuss a lot of these signatures in, in my Q books. Going back to the NSA, I think this information about the spy island and ascension has to do with 
the NSA, and their surveillance operations. It is worth mentioning that an X-37B space vehicle just returned from a two and a half year long mission, one of those space vehicles that is tracked on Ascension Island. This is taken from an article on uh, the Space Force website. The X-37B Orbital Test Vehicle 6, the U.S. Space Force's unmanned reusable space plane, successfully deorbited and landed at NASA's Kennedy Space Center Shuttle Landing Facility on November 12th, 2022 at 5.22 a.m. All right, so here's the article from the website. And notice at the bottom, it says that the vehicle was in orbit for 908 days. And it's the sixth mission conducted. So 908 days, that means that it reached orbit on May 18th, 2020, during the lead up to the 2020 election. And it returned just after the 2022 election on November 12th, a week after the, well, actually four days after the election. Why is this relevant? Well, I wonder if uh, Q's use of the word assumption is a hint that the good people at Space Force have been collecting data on the elections, both the 2020 and the 2022 election. And I wonder if that information is about to be released. I think that's what Q is hinting at but time will tell. That is all for this update. You can find my articles, videos, and podcasts at the links below. Main website, prayingmedic.com. Our ministry website, prayingmedic.org. Telegram channel is praying underscore medic. My Rumble channel, my truth social account uh, is at prayingmedic. And I do have a podcast on Podbean. That's it for today. Please keep me and Denise in prayer. Keep President Trump in prayer. Keep Q and the team in prayer. Keep Carrie Lake and all the patriots in Arizona in prayer, the attorneys, and everyone working to bring election integrity to our country. I think we're about to see some very interesting things happen in the next few weeks. We need to keep these people in prayer. That's all for today. Love you all. Take care. I will catch you on the next broadcast.